This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial. I am Jackson Schneider, host of your show as per usual. We're joined now by the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, Coach Josh Homolka. The Bearcats got a great start to the 2022, I should say, season. Still got to get all that rust off of myself, I guess. But big win over the Beloit Trojans on Friday, 14 to six to start the year off on a great note coach what can you tell us about that big victory over uh, the uh, Beloit Trojans uh, we played really well on defense um, did a lot of good things overall on offense uh, we moved the ball got inside the 10 didn't get some points uh, got inside their 20 a few times and didn't come away with points we got to get some of that stuff fixed but we played really well on defense and uh they kind of got us out of some holes a few times, and overall, we just played hard and physical. Well, it's a great way to start your season off always with a win, but there was a lot of buzz around that Beloit team coming into the season. I think they were top five by most rankings in the state. How do you approach that when you've got a test against a team like that to start the season with, with a little added target on their back? Do you, do you use that to motivate your team? Do, do you use that at all? I think we focused more on us. Uh, we knew we'd all played for two years, and we knew we were all bigger and stronger, and we knew we were going to be competitive in the game. It didn't necessarily matter what we heard from outside people and, and uh, you know, rankings and things like that. That doesn't really matter until about the last week uh, when you get closer to Thanksgiving, um, especially in, in two-way football. You never know what's going to happen, injury and all that type of stuff so we we focused on ourselves and uh we felt pretty good about what we had as a football team again we're joined by the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats coach Josh Homolka coach who can you tell us about that that were some maybe big time performers for you in week one and guys that uh, you were impressed with to how they started the season uh I thought Loden West really played well on defense he he made a lot of plays. They didn't. They couldn't get a hat on him to block him. Um, and then Loden and uh, Wyatt Bonin both played really well on uh, at tailback, just being patient with some of our inside run game. Uh, I mean, we tried to run it inside against a against one of the you know the defensive player of the year last year in two A. And uh, I thought. Our right side of our line, our whole offense line, I thought overall did a pretty good job. But with Jordan Rodriguez and um, Brendan Anderson, I thought they played really well. So there's there's some really good – we have a lot of guys who played well. Cole, Cole Weber played really well. Uh, Will Cravens with this pick at the end and, and kind of putting it away for us for a touchdown, that was big too. So there's a lot of things we did well. Now you move on to tomorrow's contest where you head on the road for the first time to take on a Republic County team that got defeated by Minneapolis last week. So what can you tell us on the quick scout of Republic County? What kind of challenges do they present? 
uh, they run a single wing type offense, so there's a lot of misdirection, things like that. Um, they've been they've been a tough team the last two years, so it isn't like they don't understand how to win and what it takes to win. Uh, they've they've had a few injuries that kind of got in the way of a, a few of those winning streaks that they had going, but um, they've been a tough football team the last two two to three years. So I would expect nothing less than them trying to trying to play as hard as they can and and uh, kind of trying to be a thorn in our side. They've been a thorn in our side on defense for us on offense for the last few years. So we just got to be focused in, uh, focused in on our keys with the single wing and things like that, and we'll be all right. So, Coach, with this challenge ahead of you this week, I, I know you, you said you focused a lot on yourself prior to week one. Is that going to continue to be the the mindset heading into week two, just kind of worrying about – your sidelines, your approach, your team's positioning, all that stuff, rather than worrying more about the opponent? Or does that single-wing offense that, that Republic County runs, does that kind of garner a little bit more attention? Well, it garners a little bit more attention, but it's always just to focus, are we getting better each day? And uh, we got to focus on a faceless opponent and make sure we're getting better. Are we competing? Did we get better from – Tuesday to Wednesday and then Wednesday to Thursday. And then uh, the rest of the, if we're physical, which I think we'll be, um, we're going to be all right. Again, we're visiting with the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, Josh Hamolka, as we do every Thursday, thanks to the Ellsworth Co-op and Ampride Convenience Store. They know what it takes uh, to be a winner both on the field and in the classroom. They wish the boys and girls at Ellsworth High School the best in every game and support the teachers, parents, and administration in all they do. The Ellsworth Co-op and Ampride Convenience Stores are proud to serve the Ellsworth area. Go Bearcats! Coach, the last question I have for you, uh, it is pretty simple, but I, I want you to get as in depth as possible because I, I know I, I know you've been working hard on game planning and everything. I want to know what your team has to do above all else to to grab another big win on Friday, offensively and defensively. What's it going to take to go two and zero? On offense, we got to be physical and make sure we're getting to the backside backers and and things like that in our power game. And, uh, defensively, we got to focus in on on keys. They're a big pin pull team. Um, they're they do a lot of misdirection. So as long as our eyes are good with our linebackers, I think we'll be all right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this challenge for you, Coach. It's it's going to be fun. I, I knew you in our talks before the first game. It seemed like there was some quiet confidence about you in this this group because of the experience that you had. And I think that that first win might have surprised some folks outside of our area. But I don't think many people in and around Ellsworth or here in Salina were as surprised as maybe some of those statewide media members. But yeah, I I think that uh, this is a big week for you guys. What what's if you come away with this this second win? Is it more about just kind of reinforcing the quality of, of this team? Because I, the way I see it, you know, like I said, it's not so much of a surprise. But is this just kind of backing up what you did last week? Yeah, I think it's just a continuation. We just got to keep building on on the little successes we have. Um, and that's what we've done the last two years with these guys. Now, now people are going to start expecting it, so we got to deliver. Awesome, yeah. And, and 
sorry to throw the bonus question on you. I was just curious there because I'm pumped up for you guys, and I know you're all jacked up ready for week two. Coach, I appreciate the time as always. Look forward to meeting with you again next week and hopefully talking about a 2-0 start. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, Coach Josh Hamolka, joining us each week here on In the Zone, part of our Ellsworth Bearcat weekly update. Again, thank you to the Ellsworth Co-op and Ampride Convenience Stores for making that happen for us. We'll take a quick time out here on In the Zone. When we come back, we'll be joined by Chet Couplin of Sports in Kansas right after this. Welcome back to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial as well. It is Thursday, which means that our sponsor for today's show is In My Home, the home health division of OCCK, your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical speech, and occupational therapy, all provided in the comfort of your home. Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality health services. I am Jackson Schneider. We've had a busy show today. Just got off the phone with Ellsworth head football coach Josh Hamolka, and we're going to continue our high school football talk now as we're joined by Chet Couplin of Sports in Kansas. Chet, you are running around like crazy with your, your think-before-you-post stuff and then high school sports season kicking off. Are, were you missing this? I know you had a busy summer, but uh, how, how, how are you now that we're actually in the full swing of things? It's like Christmas in the fall for me because it's high school football. We're back in a routine. We're talking about teams and, of course, some of those teams in your area that we'll talk about today. College football is upon us as well. Of course, sports betting is legal now in the state of Kansas. So, of course, that's been kind of craziness. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs kicking out this weekend and NFL football, of course, this week. So I'm excited. It's that time of the year. I think Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, both are going to have maybe decent seasons. It's hard saying that for Kansas of where they're at, but a decent season for Kansas is maybe three or four wins compared to where they've been. But, uh, of course, Kansas State, a lot of expectations, a lot of expectations in high school sports. But I'm ready. I'm ready to go, ready to talk some high school football on your show. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Uh, now, there were a ton of really good games this last week, but where I want to start was with the coach that we just got off the phone with here in Salina, and that's Josh Hamolka and the Ellsworth Bearcats, because they had a really tough test in the Beloit Trojans for week one, but lo and behold, they come out on top and, and played a really solid defensive game. Did you hear much about this game, and what are your impressions of Ellsworth with that big win over Beloit? I was shocked by that, to be quite honest for you, and, and not just to disrespect uh, Ellsworth because this is a Beloit team that I think had high hopes of being a state championship contender once again. The Seifert kid back, Vincent Burnt, of course, he is not back to 100% on this. Had, I believe, 90 rushing yards in that one, but both teams under 250 total yards of offense in this one. I, I believe there's a few key players out for Beloit, but the major difference in this game was a pick six and three interceptions by Ellsworth, so... I think, obviously, you turn the football over early on. It's going to be a long season. And what a win, though. I mean, that's a win that I don't think anybody expected in any way, shape, or form that win to happen. So that was one of the biggest surprises, not only across the state, but across the NCAA league and, of course, across you know the classification. So kind of crazy to see Beloit drop that game in, in week number one. But I think if we've figured anything out, Beloit, Southeast of Selene, and Ellsworth, all going to be pretty solid teams uh, in that league. And, of course, Sacred Heart and Minneapolis also opening up with a week one win 
as well. The only two teams that lost, Beloit and Republic County. And if you would have told me, as I said, Beloit would have lost in week one, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah, it's it was a crazy week, and I you just kind of jogged my memory how good this this NCAA league could be this year. You know, with the aforementioned Ellsworth, the Beloit, and of course Southeast of Saline was one of the best teams in three A last year. Well, they dropped down to two A and kind of picked up right where they left off. They had a nice win last week over Rock Creek, a team that's uh, really a top 10, top 5 team, depending on the the publication you look at in the rankings for 3A as well. But the the Trojans of Southeast of Saline picked up right where they left off last season, it looked like. Yeah, I I think, in my opinion, and this is not to disrespect anybody out there, and this is including my old high school, because my old high school, Frontenac, got second in the state championship game last year. They lost 53 to nothing to Andale. But I think Southeast of Saline was the second-best team in Class 3A last year, and if Southeast was in 2A last year, no disrespect to Rossville, I may be picking Southeast to Saline as a 2A state champion. It seems like in some years, Southeast to Saline or Riley County or whoever it may be, they just happen to be in 3A or 2A the wrong year, um, and, you know, right on that line. And we've seen some teams like that. Of course, Southeast to Saline, a big win over the passing attack of Rock Creek, a team that, of course, as you mentioned, one of the top ten, top five, no matter what you're looking at. Dalton Whitworth, a very good quarterback for them. Rock Creek will certainly be one of those teams in the mix in Class 3A. I think the defense, very good for Southeast of Saline. There's a lot of speed. Of course, you lose Rodriguez from last year. And, of course, their state champion, Hurdler, as well. Both of those kids off uh, to college. And, obviously, you look at Michael Murray, a speedster on this team. Both of the Gibhart twins. Coach Gibhart does an incredible job there. Southeast of Saline has a lot of well-rounded athletes. They play at Beloit this week. So, of course, Beloit probably going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulders. We just mentioned as they opened up with a loss last week and, and not a loss that they probably wanted to have. So, Southeast of Saline going to be the favorite in this one. And really, when you start to dissect Class 2A football across the state of Kansas, you got to circle Southeast of Saline. I, I think they become really one of those teams that's the favorite. However, we just talked about Ellsworth. They're in the same district as them as well and can't count out other teams across the state that we don't know much about yet i know hoisington lost last week to heston norton and smith center are going to play this week they're a key team in district eight norton is but i feel like there's a lot of parity uh now on the west side of football in the east i think it's maybe a little bit more clear cut of course you have your rossville silver lakes that may not be Mm -hmm. the same as the past Nemaha central i think is going to be a very very good team and a key win over holton last week but southeast of saline you heard it here. They are a major contender for the whole thing in Class 2A this year if they stay healthy. Now up to the, the 5A ranks, really one of the bigger games in our area. For last week, we started off with the Mayor's Cup. And the first time that those two schools, South and Central, played in Week 1, I think, ever. So really fun for our area just to ha- not only have that game, but to start the season with it. And Solana Central starts off the year with a win, 52-28. to uh, and, and I think probably about the expected outcome there, but a lot of really stellar performances in that game. Kenyon McMillan had a punt return, a kick off return and a couple of rushing touchdowns as well and then Ian Andalon for South 130 yards and a couple scores as well so some really talented players in that Maris Cup this this past week as well yeah I know I think you sent in the tweet to Bethany or not this weekend about McMillan his big performance uh, just outstanding on our of course running backs to watch list and and a step in the right direction for this central program that is hungry to to get back to its old ways I mean 
I was talking about this. I don't know who with, but talking about the, you know, the old days where the Pittsburgh highs, the Salinas of the world, the Manhattans, the Junction Cities, uh, even some of the Topeka schools, teams like that, that fought for the crown that would go to state championships and win. And it's been quite some time since we've had that. It seems like all the teams that are winning at the high level 5A, 6A, or even class 4A are all teams that are connected to major metropolitan areas or cities. I say that, and then Manhattan knocks off Derby last week out of nowhere, which was maybe the upset of the year in the state. So Salina Central and South, of course, two powerhouses back in the day. I think Central is going to be a team to watch this year. They'll take on Tyner Horn and Goddard Eisenhower, really good baseball player on the road this week. And they like to throw the football a little bit, but they can run it as well. This is a Goddard Eisenhower team that I think is a little bit better than many give them credit for. They lost in a close one on the road to Hutchison last week. And last year, this is a team that was 5-4 and four on the season and won this game 24-14. to 14. So looking for a little bit of payback, Coach Sambo, and, of course, the Salinas Central Mustangs. As I said, McMillan, I feel like he's one of the best backs in Class 5A. And we look at the landscape of Class 5A football really as a whole. Of course, it all goes through the east, and we all know that is Mill Valley. But all of a sudden, it feels like to me there is way more power on the west. And the reason why are the Wichita schools – whether that be May South, who is up and coming, beat Andover. Coach Pfeiffer runs an incredible program there. Of course, the traditional powers in Bishop Carroll. You lose Wichita Northwest to 6A, who have lost in a shootout to Carroll last week. Capon is up and coming. I mean, this was a team that mm-hmm. made a semifinal last year as Division One players. And then guess what? You have four-star, in my opinion, should be five-star. Avery Johnson headed to Kansas State, who beat Topeka High 78-7. to So all of a sudden, the power – in my opinion, kind of shifts over to the West. I didn't even mention Hutch, Salina Central, or Hayes, who are all off to 1-0 marks. You know, you lose Aquinas down to Class 4A out of the East. If I'm one of these West teams, I'm wanting to be sent over East because the playoffs, <laughs> Jackson, on the West this year, you're going to see some heck of games in the West, especially when some of these teams beat up on each other. They have records, and those records are going to be deceiving, and you're going to see some round one, round two matchups in the playoffs in Class 5A. They're going to be pretty crazy. So Salina Central definitely in the mix of one of those seven, eight teams that I'm looking at on the western part of the state, at least as far as bracket. Again, we're joined by Chet Kuplin, Sports in Kansas today. Chet, last question before I let you go. It's week two starting, and, and there's a lot of other really good games across the state. Maybe give me your, your top two or three matchups to watch in week two in the state. Well, I think I got to look at Blue Valley Northwest, defending state champion from a year ago in 6A, kind of came out of nowhere with Clint Ryder, Mikey Pauley, the Division One athlete, has graduated, but Grant Stubblefield stepped up big. 270 yards rushing last week. They take on St. Thomas Aquinas, who I mentioned, drops down to Class 5A, or Class 4A, rather. So that is an interesting one as well. So a lot of really good games across the state. I, I really kind of have my eye on that, as well as 1A St. Mary's which is kind of weird calling St. Mary's 1A. They were 3A when I was in high school, mm-hmm. dropped from 2 to 1. And they take on Rock Creek, who is hungry after a loss last week to southeast of Saline. So really good games across the state. And the one we mentioned right in your area there, southeast of Saline at Beloit. That is definitely a highlighted matchup across the state of Kansas. Special thanks to, to Mammoth Sports Construction, Jock Snitch, the Herd app, for powering me to come on the radio no matter where I go. And also be sure to check out our Think Before You Post Power or social media tour that you talked about. We are somewhere different all day, every day. If I'm in the Salina area, I'm going to have to 
take you out for some food, man. I appreciate you having me on as always. Absolutely love having you on. Look look forward to checking in with you again throughout the high school football season. He's Chet Couplin of Sports in Kansas. I am Jackson Schneider. We'll take another time out and be back with Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, right after this. Welcome back to In The Zone here on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL, 106.7 as well on your FM dial for a Thursday, which means we are ready to talk all things Kansas Jayhawks with the voice of the Hawks himself, Brian Haney. Brian, welcome back to the show and welcome back 1-0. The Jayhawks looked awesome on Friday night against Tennessee Tech, and uh, I, I think that uh, that's that's the team that everyone was looking forward to seeing, right? Like physical, fast, exciting, and they took care of business. They did. They did. That's kind of what we were hinting at on last week's reports, that this shouldn't be if we're as good as we, we think we've become. And I'm not you know, getting too far down the road here, but we feel we're much improved at every position outside of receiver. And, and I told you last week without trying to belittle the opponent, but this was not going to be one of those previous you know fcs ohio valley type matchups where they are hanging around the fourth and have a chance to upset the hawks and and you have to squeak it out we really felt like if kansas was as improved as it seemed they were uh you could assert your dominance pretty early and often and that's exactly what we saw in the game script i mean first four drives of the game our defense gets a three and out offense goes down and scores immediately Defense gets a three and out. Offense goes and scores immediately, just asserting its will. Then they force a stop and a field goal attempt, and they block the field goal and return it 61 yards with uh, a kid that last season was just Kobe Bryant. This season he's going by, believe it or not, Kobe Bryant. So I'm calling him the Hawk Mamba, by the way, instead of the Black Mamba. <laughs> but uh, Hawk Mamba from 61 yards out takes it back. So special teams get the score. And, and the route was on from there. And – we saw Kansas win the battle in the trenches, as you should, when it's Big 12 versus Ohio Valley. But, but those are the types of advantages that we couldn't take advantage of and, and certainly couldn't take for granted in previous seasons when Kansas was losing to teams like that. And while I don't think that, that this particular opponent was as good as some of the FCS clubs that have pulled upsets, um, I, I do think it's just as much about Kansas being significantly better and anybody that watched the game will agree with that guys like Lonnie Phelps coming around the edge hey guys we didn't have a dude like that last year we haven't had a dude like that in a lot of years I mean he he just is is a man amongst boys and and we saw three sacks out of the big 12 defensive player of the week and and that was a guy when he first committed from Miami of Ohio all MAC conference player and pictures were were circling around the internet of, of of what he looked like in the Kansas uniform I mean, it, he just looked like a different kind of specimen in, in terms of the chest and the biceps and, and just the, 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 all the measurables. And, and we thought, wow, we got one of these guys. And, and sure enough, I mean, he lived up to every bit of hype that we could have had. Now, doing that against West Virginia's left tackle is going to be a different kind of deal on Saturday. But he's got a motor on him now, and, and he looks like you know Big 12 all-conference caliber guy. So that was great to see. You know, the running backs we talked about last week were going to all get fed and they were going to spread it around, and that's exactly what they did. And and there were times when they had triangle formations in the backfield of three running backs and then the quarterback 
Uh, and and it was it was interesting to watch. You never knew where the rock was going to go. But with the exception of Kai Thomas from Topeka, the Minnesota Golden Gophers transfer, he kind of struggled. Seven carries, 15 yards, but we know he's going to be fine. He's capable of so much more. With the exception of him, everybody else had a bright spot type moment. And it was a night where he had six rushing touchdowns by five different players. Most we'd seen in terms of different players with rushing touchdowns since 1996. I don't think Jackson was even alive in 1996. <laughs> I was, uh, I, but I, I couldn't sit up or, or eat or drink or do anything on my own. Laura was doing all that heavy lifting then. Oh, and I'm sorry, you were 12 then, and, and you were still struggling with that. That's right. You were born <laughs> in 84. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, you, you were a baby, and, and James was probably what, James? Like uh, 16? Oh, um, 16. Oh, come on. 96, let's see. Depending on the the month, I would have been 10 or 11. Oh, see, you're such a young buck. I was thinking we were similar age. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, it, it's been a while. And it had been a while since the Kansas defense had, had held an opponent to less than 200 yards of total offense and less than 100 yards passing offense. It had been 12 years in, in that regard. And so we, we saw some things that we haven't seen in a while. Heck, we saw the number of fans at a season opener, the most we'd seen since 2014. So there were a lot of signs of, hey, this feels different. We haven't had this in X number of years. And obviously, you got to back that up as the season goes on and it gets real in a hurry having to play a conference game in week two on the road. But I think what we're going to find is, guys, and I don't know how many wins it adds up to, but I think you're going to see that that gap really has narrowed dramatically between Kansas and, and the rest of these second half of the Big 12-type teams. And I think the gap is also closed with the upper echelon Big 12 teams, not completely by any means, uh, but, but closed enough to where you can expect competitiveness every single week. And you know, tonight's, or rather Saturday night, is, is the night to prove that. And we'll see JT Daniels versus RJD Daniels, Jalen Daniels. Um, and we'll see you know, if Kansas can, can match them drive for drive, punch for punch. But there's more reason for hope now than there has been in a long time that when you board the plane and, and head up to a place where you've never won a game, that maybe just maybe this is the year. And you know, I'm not supposed to dive into point spreads too much you know, working internally at Kansas, even though now sports gambling is legal in the Sunflower State. But I'm sure you guys saw where the line opened and how far it's moved down since. And, and without getting into specifics, it's moved a lot, mm-hmm. which tells you the perception of this Kansas program in, in the betting public or just the public in general is, is absolutely on the climb. And I use that story and that reference only to say that, that it's, it's nice to see folks taking notice and there's real genuine belief that this team's a little bit different. Now you got to keep that belief building week by week and, and put some real tangible success behind it. Well, and it was also a close game last year when these two teams met late in the season. So KU yep. in their 56-10 to 10 win, Kansas was one of two teams in the nation, Air Force being the other, to average more than 10 yards per play during the opening weekend of college football. And then defensively, KU held Tennessee Tech to less than 100 yards passing, 190 total yards. Last time a Jayhawk defense did both of those things, was 2010, 12 years ago. So with that said, Brian, in your opinion, were you more impressed or surprised by the offense or the defense? 
Wow, great question. You know, um, I can't say I was surprised by the offense because we, we knew that it was going to be really dynamic with all these running backs. Certainly you're surprised when Devin Neal you know, gets t- 27 yards per carry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but when, you're, when your leading rusher only had four rushes all day and he's north of 100 yards, you know it's a pretty good day. But, but I think we kind of expected, at least I did, that they were going to score 40-plus and, and have a chance to blow them out. I didn't know that they would be as disruptive up front defensively. Lonnie Phelps, yes, we predicted that on last week's show. We talked about, hey, this, this, this guy's a beast. He's going to really make a name. You can go back and listen to the, the tape. But the fact that they had 12 total TFLs, the fact that they were playing a lot of the game in the opponent's backfield, you know, because you got that initial surge up front and you're winning the battle in the trenches – you should do that against an Ohio Valley team. Let's make no mistake, and let's not you know, overhype it. But how many times has Kansas not done that against some of these teams? And so that, to me, was great to see. And then I'm going to say something really unsexy and, and not that uh, interesting, but believe me, I know Jackson, having gone to school here recently, can agree with this. What do you see almost unanimously around college football, typically in week one, everywhere? And we really saw it at Kansas for a long time. It's 10 to 12 penalties. It's guys running on the field late. You have to burn a timeout because you just weren't quite coordinated like you needed to be. It's that week one sloppiness, right? Guys, we didn't see any of that. And that's not to say it's not going to come later, but, I mean, they had one penalty the whole uh, first three quarters until they started putting in the reserves late in the third quarter, and that was on special teams. Like, the offensive defense was clean. How many times in, in previous years, different staffs, have they burned a timeout because they, they just weren't ready on something? And, and that's not meant to sound disparaging toward previous staffs. It's just meant to talk about how meticulously organized Lance Leipold and his group is, how well these position coaches did in getting their guys ready, how clean of a game they played when the ones were out there on the field. And like I said, that's not interesting. That didn't move the needle like scoring 56 points or having the Big 12 defensive player of the week moves the needle. But – Hey, for someone that's been around through the thick times and the thin times, for someone that's seen the Mangino era when it was really rolling and you were super organized and had seen other you know eras where it just was a struggle to watch at times, guys, this looked different. And, and that's a little thing, but if, if you've seen the absence of that, it feels like a big thing. And, and that, to me, is a great sign of, of how this program's really turned on the corner. Yeah, that, that to me is a really big sign. And, and again, not to, you know, kick other past stabs or anything, but it was kind of a running joke when I was in school not all that long ago at KU where there would be at least once a game where it seemed like the Jayhawks would have to burn a timeout because the punt team wasn't out in time and they were already trying to punt, but they were wasting a timeout just to go give the ball back to the other team. And it's it's nice to definitely start moving away from that. But Brian, we've talked about the meticulousness of, of Coach Leipold and the staff for, for months now. How big is is it, though, to have that full off season? Because we've talked about it at length before where KU was playing catch-up most all of last season. It seems like they're right where they need to be now at the start of a season, not just with the the, the small things that we've mentioned here, but just the, the on-field stuff, the actual schemes. They've had time under this staff now to fully develop for almost a year. Yeah, I, I think it, it makes a world of difference. And thank you for, for referencing the walk down memory lane on the previous 
uh, timeout issues because I didn't want to say that, but that really was kind of a you hate to say running joke, but it, it was it was a pretty prevalent theme that, that you haven't seen any hint of in you know, the last 13 games under this staff, and so that's great. But in terms of the the off season and the full off season, it, it's big not only to have those 15 practices, which this staff was robbed of last year based on the timing of Miles' departure and, and when Lance brought in. But when you're establishing a culture, and I know all this sounds like broadcaster speak, but it really is true. I mean, when you're trying to, to do things that ingrain habits in young men, far different than the way they used to do them, it, to get that full calendar year. And I feel like our strength coach, he's our director of sports performance, he's as involved in the culture establishment as, as any director of sports performance I've seen. His name's Matt Gildersleeve. And, and they do a lot of things in terms of leadership training and, and just trying to make these guys better young men before better football players. And, and it sounds, you know, elementary, but from, from a simple things like these two big flat screen TVs that when you walk in to the, the facility every day, they show who were the first five people into the facility. And keep in mind, we practice early mornings now. Who were the first five in and who were the last five in? Who are the last five to leave and the first five to leave? They put your name up on the board and, and they broadcast it big and bright, you know, to you see. And, and there's an accountability that that, that naturally instills that, that's having these guys hustle in each day. And I know that sounds like a little thing, but it's, it's you know, all about when you're trying to climb up from the bottom, you know, to the middle. It's, it's brick by brick, day by day, getting a little bit better, right? And stuff like that, having these guys excited to rush in each day and holding them accountable if they were the last five in, even if they were 10 minutes early, if you were the last five in, your name's going up on the board. It's, it's just ingraining those habits that's making these guys from a foundational, fundamental level, culture-wise, get better and stronger each and every day. And so to have 16 months of that now, going back to when they were hired up to now, it does make a world of difference. And it was no surprise, Jackson, that they peaked in the second half of the season when they were playing catch-up and, and finally some things were getting fully installed. So now, you know, with, with a much longer runway heading into the season, uh, you know, I think we should expect to see better results early on than what we saw last year. So I hope that gives you a little peek behind the curtain as, as to some of the stuff we're talking about. But I, I love the culture they're building and – you know, there's just a different kind of buzz walking through that facility now than there used to be. The Each individual position room is deeper and way more talented, but just the general demeanor they're walking around with and how hungry and, and excited everybody seems to feel really feels different than what it did in previous years. Yeah, you can sense it when you watch this team. Talking with Brian Haney, he's the voice of the Jayhawks, KU in West Virginia, Saturday. All right, Brian, what's the scout on West Virginia, and how does KU win this game? I'm not talking about keeping it close. How does KU yeah. go to West Virginia and pull out a win? Because I think it can happen. I think it can, too. Uh, you know, West Virginia obviously impressed last week at Pitt, who was ranked 17th at the time. If it wasn't for a late-game pick six, they might have won it. But uh, it's it's a club that is a lot different than we saw in week 12 a year ago. We're both a lot different. They added five starters defensively. They added a five-star quarterback in JT Daniels, who's played at USC in Georgia. They've got a running back that – this is kind of interesting. He, he played receiver and tight end all throughout high school in Miami. That's all he played. And then he was listed as a tight end all offseason. And then Donaldson gets – a rush attempt right away. First, first chance to be a collegiate football player. They hand him the football and he takes it 44 yards. 
and then he gets six more and winds up racking up 125 yards and a touchdown. And everybody's like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be a tight end. This kid, C.J. Donaldson, could be a, a budding star in this league. So we're excited to see what he does. But hopefully, you know, excited to see Kansas bottle up the run better than Pitt did. But it's definitely a team, when you add in Bryce Ford Wheaton on the edge for, in terms of the, the wide receivers, he had nine catches, 97 yards, and two touchdowns at Pitt. They've got way more explosive playmaking than anything we saw last week. And so we'll get a real litmus test of how good this defense is, not just in the ability to – continue to play in the opponent's backfield with those 12 TFLs I talked about, but how does coverage hold up against Ford Wheaton? How does the run game in terms of defending the run stack up with a guy like that breathing down your neck and Donaldson? What does all this equate to for Kansas? So to me, the key start defensively, I, I have a lot of confidence that we'll be able to move the ball um, and, and, you know, sustain some drives, whether they result in points early or you're just sustaining them long enough to flip the field and, and, and eat up some clock. I, I feel more comfortable there than I do with the defense because we just haven't seen the defense yet against an opponent like this. But if you can force a couple of three out, three outs on their end and put the pressure on them because we're moving the ball and we're scoring a bit, then I think Kansas is going to be in this thing for the long haul and absolutely have a chance to win it in the end. you got to stay away from those 17-24 point you know, holes that Kansas perennially seemed to dig for themselves every time they would go out on the road because while you certainly have – you know, a quarterback that could sling you back in the game. We don't have like the big time receiving options this year that you want to be necessarily in a, you know, two, three touchdown deficit hole climbing out of to, to sling it to with. And so it's, it's a situation where I think they want to play even up, uh, you know, be within seven to 10 points the whole time, because with the way we run past balance, and as much as we want to run the ball, you don't want to be in a hurry-up, catch-up scenario. We can score quickly. We proved that last week. But I think they'd rather uh, matriculate it down the field a bit and, and kind of take their time a bit. And so that's where hopefully we see Kansas getting some defensive stops early, staying in the game, keeping it within striking distance throughout, and have it come down to who's got the ball last. And if that's the case – uh, hey, man, I might just take the guy that, that threw it to the end zone to beat Texas a year ago with 100,000 watching because Jalen Daniels has that it factor. He's got that clutch gene to him, and I'd love to see him get another chance to make some noise like that on Saturday. Again, we're visiting with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, ahead of the Kansas Big 12 opener on Saturday at West Virginia as uh, the Jayhawks look to grab just their second win all time against the Mountaineers. Uh, But Brian, I was looking through the game notes and there's the little section that says uh, a Kansas win would dot 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 with a bunch of different bullet points. But the one that sticks out to me is that this win could make Kansas 2-0 and for the first time since 2011. And I know people know Kansas has struggled over the last several years, but you, you mentioned the perception nationally of KU after that win over Tennessee Tech, and you kind of used the, the gambling line or the spread as kind of that litmus there. But what would starting off 2-0 and do for that perception, not only just national, not only nationally, but also like around Lawrence? Because I still feel like there's people that haven't quite quite taken notice of what the, the changes that are taking place are. Well, you can answer the question for me. Read the rest of that note that you pulled up about the last time they started 2-0 and and read who the two opponents were. Because uh, this would be a different kind of 2-0. Uh, you still haven't pulled up? 
Yes, it, give me just one second here. It, I got to switch was, to two mid majors. Yes, and, and uh, I, what was the second one? It wasn't Northern Illinois. Who was? Yeah, it was McNeese, um, McNeese State, and Northern Illinois, forty-two to twenty-four and forty-five to forty-two. Different kind of deal than opening up with a conference game in week two, and then you go on the road to a, a ranked Houston team next week, more than likely ranked. Um, you know, who just beat UTSA in triple overtime last week, and so. Uh, it would be a, a much more momentous start than what that one was. And it would prove that, hey, man, you know, these Jayhawks are clearly better. And you know, I want to say for real, but the progress is for real. Uh, and I think that would, that would send a shot over the bow to the rest of the Big 12 teams, you know, pick five through nine, that, hey, if Kansas just won on the road, you know, this, this is going to be a team that, that can cause some trouble throughout this season, and you can't take anything for granted against these guys. I think there's, there's three or four games on the schedule this year in the league that the Jayhawks should have a great shot of winning. That doesn't mean you win them all or even win half of them, but you know, if you win one or two there and you come out of September with two or three wins, uh, we're talking about a big step forward this year. Well, maybe you won four or five games. And, I know for your, your purple-clad listeners and, and the ones sitting next to you, four or five would be a horrible year. But when you've been where we've been, uh, you know, and, and you're trying to, to fight and claw and scratch your way up from the bottom, if they can make that leap from 2-10 and 10 last year to, to possibly 5-7 and seven this year, holy smokes, what a step forward that would be. And so I, I think this is one of those games, even though it's on the road. And prior to Texas last year, we had one on the road in over a decade, uh, in the league that is. Um, I, I think this is one of those games that you circle as, as an opportunity game for Kansas. So we'll see with opportunity knocking if they can answer the door. But uh, both these next two games, quite frankly, offer chances to make a statement. And if you were to compete in both but possibly win one of them, just imagine the, the turnout they'd have for the Duke game coming back home for the first time in, in three weeks and uh, having, having a big-time home game atmosphere on September the 24th. So let's hope that that tangible buzz keeps building and that momentum keeps climbing because that's what's at stake these next two weeks. Again, we're joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. He joins us each Thursday thanks to Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Brian, any special messages from our friends over in Ellsworth today? Well, just I want to continue to plug their great customer service. And if you've got a do-it-yourself project that uh, you need some help with, like me, they'll go in there and, and they'll, they'll talk you through whatever you need to, to make that project work at your place. They've got different specials every single week uh, that you can find online and also in-store. But more than anything, this is a family-owned and operated business. Make the drive over to Ellsworth. Tell Sean I sent you. Uh, here on our KU reports and, and let them know you appreciate their sponsorship of these reports because they've been with us now for over a year. And uh, you know what? The, the year that they covered with us, we won a national title and saw big progress in football. So we're thrilled to have them back here on KSAL every single Thursday. And uh, we hope you'll support their business as well. Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, let's let's talk next Thursday. And Hopefully we're still talking about a big buzz around KU football. All right. Looking forward to it. Brian Haney here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. That is going to wrap up our show for today. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 515 to start taking a look at some high school football matchups around the area. James Wessling joins me as always. I am Jackson Schneider. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.